everybody, welcome back to Mission Daily. This is your host, Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org, and I am joined by my COO, Albert Chow. Albert, welcome. What's up? Uh, listen, if you're if I make a clip, if I'm in the clip, everyone, I'm in a hotel room. I'm in the Sheraton in Denver. So, so nice. it's not really exciting behind me. Not that my home office is exciting. Everyone knows I live a boring life. <laughs> you do. And you know what? It's pretty edgy right now. So you're in the hotel room. Hey, you're getting out of your house. That's good. There you go. There you so, go. So today is going to be part of a three-part series. And we've had so many questions come in over the years around how to make a good B2B podcast. And so we figured why not have a whole series around that, that we kind of go through, talk through our process when we're working with our clients, our sponsors, when we're talking to anyone who's thinking about getting into this industry. I mean, we've been doing it now since 2017. And so we have a lot of um, tips and lessons and strategies and playbooks that we follow. And so that's what we're going to do today to kind of walk through that process. Yeah. And I want to put a little quick caveat on it before we dive into B2B podcast. And it's not to say that we don't make B2C. It's Mission Daily really is for the general consumer. We have another podcast coming out uh, about LLNL that's going to be for the general consumer. But what happens is, is when it comes specific to companies and they want to own a storyline, it is very difficult when you want to go to consumer because typically for anything to work at the consumer level is you need so much scale and there are already companies that have successfully done this or shows that have done this and so for a company if you want your show to be popular or fun and entertaining you need that scale right so like you would want you would probably want your youtube channel for example to be bigger than ryan's world well ryan's world gets like 20 30 million views per video maybe more so that's like a huge bar and Whereas like a B2B business, a B2B show oriented show really has a specific audience, a very specific, valuable, possibly important audience group. And they also care about specific things. So by default, it's a different game. And that's something that you and I over the years have seen our team. I I don't want to use the word master, but we're pretty damn good at it. Pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. And so that's an important uh, piece right there that you're mentioning. Like if you're th- start, if you are thinking about starting a podcast and you're like, I just want to have fun and it's going to be just about whatever it's going to be consumer facing. That's also great. Some of our tips here will assist you on that journey. 100%. Um, but the first thing we always start with when anyone comes to us is why do you want to start this show? And so when thinking about these B2B um, podcasts, and that could be you want to start your own B2B podcast or you want to think about sponsoring one or partnering with a company like us, whatever it is, the first question that we're always asking someone is, why do you wanna do this? What is the business application? What will the KPIs be around that? And that to me is gonna guide the whole direction of the show. Whereas oftentimes content creators will come in and they'll be like, I just wanna tell these stories. I wanna hang out with my friends or have my customers on. Um, And there's no goals behind it. Our job is to come in and be the parent who's like, okay, what are we doing here? What's the outcome going to be? And so, um, yeah, that's step one when thinking about these B2B podcasts is like, what do you want from it? So let's talk through some of the goals of like a lot of our customers. Let's go through their top five goals. They're normally pretty similar. Yeah. Most companies, if if you're considering starting a, a podcast as a channel for marketing, your goals are pretty standardized, I'd say. There's going to be some element of, 
marketing quali- MQLs or, or marketing qualified leads. You're looking for new people to consider your business. You might be looking for people to subscribe to specific newsletters or join specific groups that you want to eventually monetize. So like that's a targeted audience. Uh, there's going to be, of course, sales. You want to sell products and services. Uh, the other thing is the other thing that's pretty interesting is it's still sales, but it's not quite sales is like you're looking for customer stories because you know that mm-hmm. by having your customer stories more out and about in your industry, that more people will consider your business as a thought leader or um, hearing of these great examples of great implementations and that will lead to more MQLs or SQLs and sales um, that also can help people in the sales funnel. So funnel acceleration is another goal people have is where they want a deal, let's say they're, and a lot of our clients are enterprise clients. So like, let's say your deal is greater than 90 days, your sales cycle is closer to 180 days. Maybe you want to bring that to 90. Like, can we go from 180 to 90? Cause that's a huge win for a business. If we could do that. Um, those are off the top of my head, Stephanie, I didn't know if I hit yeah. all of the ones that you were thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So that's good. So I'll go through them. So, so yeah, the first one, customer stories, um, that's a big one because oftentimes, at least for the enterprises that we're working with, um, they're either having a hard time having customers say yes, because maybe they've tapped out that customer too many times, um, or that customer is just busy and they're kind of like, what's in it for me? And so what we'll do as an exact example is we will invite those customers on our shows, you know, on marketing trends, on IT visionaries, whatever it may be. And we will get a very authentic customer story from them at the end of the interview. So the first 80% of that interview is spent highlighting them, their company, you know, they're a thought leader in this space. And then at the very end, we will ask them for their experience around our sponsor. So this can work whether it's sponsored, whether it's your own, um, but you oftentimes get really quality, authentic content when it's in that format, instead of being like, hey, come into my office for an hour and I want you to sit down and let's really rehearse how you use this product and make sure it fits what my PR team wants to fit. That's not always the best. And that doesn't resonate with most people. They want to see the more authentic um, content coming out of that that is not rehearsed. So that's a customer that's a, stories. That's a yeah. huge part of it. And we'll get into like why the why later, but just think for yourself as a all of us are consumers of entertainment or education. Uh, I think B2B content is more education oriented. So just think to yourself, when's the last time you like dove into someone's press release or you couldn't wait to hear that white paper or you've all we've all done it where we stumbled upon a video or an audio clip of something that seemed really polished and maybe you possibly mm-hmm. rehearsed full of key industry jargon buzzwords you don't listen to those things and think to yourself oh that's 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 exactly what i need you, you typically tune those yep. things out but if you hear if i hear someone who has the same problem as me kind of detailing out the problem, talking about the pitfalls, talking about the sh- you know shortcomings. You know, they're using their knowledge recall to say this is how they solved it. It becomes much more exciting. I always go back to one of my favorite episodes uh, was MailChimp CTO, Eric Muntz. He was on our show and he talked about how he basically dropped one line of clo- code and nearly collapsed all of MailChimp software. Um, just being vulnerable. And he was talking about his move to... Mm-hmm. Google Cloud. Now, Google Cloud's not even our cust- a customer of ours, but I was like, he basically just plugged Google Cloud. Like he, he was mm-hmm. saying, this is how we're going to do it. And uh, so yep. th- those are the kind of stories that always people listen to and they're like, oh, okay, I trust Eric. Eric's a good dude. He's vulnerable. If he's recommending that decision, maybe I consider it myself. Yep. Yeah. And that's, I think, a shift that we've seen over the past couple of years that 
the more organic content like that, the more influencer style stuff, and it's not as produced. That's a big shift where uh, I think for a while people thought B2B and B2C, you keep them separate, you market very separately, but actually now that has converged. And whether you're buying some enterprise tech stack or you're buying some, you know, t-shirt from somewhere, like the marketing needs to actually be very similar because it's not, it doesn't depend on what you're buying. You like the same thing. And so we've seen that when we're creating content, like the kind of content that we like to consume on our own is also the style that we're going to be using when it comes to promoting episodes. Even if the episodes are about CIOs, CTOs, marketing leaders, executives, it's going to be the same format because that's what we like to consume. So customer stories, that's a really big one, as long as you do it in an authentic way. Um, The second one you talked about was MQLs, of course. I kind of also relate that to brand awareness in a in a little bit of a way yeah. because you're trying to just get in front of the right audience. And so when you're thinking about starting a show, you also need to think about how to get in front of that right audience, um, which is a big one that we are actually going to cover in a later episode of how we think about that. Um, but you know, when you're trying to think about who you want to get in front of, you have to know who your customers are, which is actually something that we've seen many people struggle with when we're like, okay, we need a list of your you know, prospects, we need the personas, we need, like, give us the demographics or whoever you're looking to sell to. And that is actually a big part that many people get held up on. And so when you're thinking about, you know, crafting a new show and what you want it to be about, understanding your customers or what kind of customers you want to get in front of. So maybe your current customers are are of a certain size, but you want to break into a new market. That's fine, but you at least need to know where you're going and who you want to sell to to make sure that you're creating content for the right people, that you're inviting on the right guests. Um, So MQLs, brand awareness is another big goal. The other one that you talked about was pipeline acceleration, ABM. Um, So account-based marketing, that's a big one that we are always working with our clients on of how to use all of mission shows or their own shows for um, pipeline acceleration, moving a deal along quicker or starting a deal when you don't have any connection with that person. Um, And so once again, that gets back to, do you know who your prospects are and how can you get them on the show and give them an amazing time um, and follow up with them in a way that is actually thoughtful. And so that's the piece that I think people forget about how to do that well, how to not only have a great connection point, but also give them something of value afterwards and stay connected. So that's something that, I mean, what do you think when it comes to how we do that? Because I look at all of our guests and we stay connected so well, and we're also able to connect them with our sponsors in a way that I think is really unique oftentimes, but it's a very like high touch approach. So what do you think when it comes to ABM and pipeline acceleration around these shows? So one of the biggest challenges every customer has is that they 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 are not as in i would say dialed in the teams that are less dialed in meaning dialed in like marketing and sales are let's say going after the same objective have a harder time with abm because inevitably what happens is the sales Mm -hmm. people are the frontliners they're the ones talking to prospects they hear all the rebuttals they might say hey i need information regarding to overcome this this is the thought of our product this is the thought of the problem we solve this is the thought and then marketers, if they're disconnected from that and let's say focused on selling the product, then the, the inevitably they don't line up. And so what you'll see is with the teams that are lined up and tightly knit together tend to leverage the podcast better. I mean, we got to shout out ThoughtSpot because ThoughtSpot's got one mm-hmm. of the most tightly integrated marketing teams and sales teams that we feel like like they they have every show has a purpose. And if you hit it, you hit the nail in the head just a moment ago where it's like, what is the content? Who is the persona? What is the content? 
And then the, the, the thing that companies, I think, fail to think about is they think so much about the content that they want to tell, but they already forgot, well, who, what does my customer want to learn about? Meaning, mm-hmm. let's use, I'm going to use an example of tax. We don't have a current tax business customer. Shout out into it if you want to join us. Uh, but <laughs> but point being is, let's say you sell tax software, right? If you came to us and say, we want to make a show about tax, I would be like, well, what specifically about tax? Filing taxes? Like calculating taxes? Because if you tell me that it's about, let's say, how great Intuit is, like that might only be interesting to like bookkeepers. Maybe even not even bookkeepers because bookkeepers already know what Intuit is. But if you want to say, I want to inspire the next wave of small business entrepreneurs and I want them to know that Intuit is the, or our tax software is the best tax software to use, then you need to frame a different story because the people that hear that story, they don't want to hear about tax. Tax is actually the least exciting thing they want to do. They want to hear about, you know, I'm just making this up, but like, I would assume as an entrepreneur, I want to know how you did it. What did you, mm-hmm. what stopped you? Where did you get inspiration from? What is the biggest pitfalls? How did you overcome certain challenges? Uh, if I'm a, for example, if I'm a maker of uh, cell phone cases, you know, I want to know from another person who made hard goods, how'd you figure out your supply chain? How do you figure out sourcing? These are what small business operators want to think about. Now, if you have an audience of small business operators and future small business operators, now all of a sudden, it's a perfect fit to say, hey, are you thinking about starting a small business? One of the most annoying things is tax. Hey, we yep. got it covered. So it's people, that's the big, I think, disconnect people have when they want to start a business podcast is they want to talk about their product, but it's not really their product. It's really the problem that their customers most commonly face is probably the subject matter that's going to be the most interesting. And yep. that's the biggest yeah. disconnect yep. there is. Yep. And when I think about you know, some of our clients who have come to us had shows of their own and then they weren't really working. And I think a lot of the reason is because of that. They were talking about the things that their organization wanted to talk about, but they lost touch of like, okay, what would my actual maybe buyer want to talk about? Even though I'm selling a tax product, do I need to have tax conversations? Do I need to actually have a whole show, a CFO show? Well, do you think the CFO is the buyer? And what conversations would they be having? It's not just about tax, probably. It's wider reaching. And so how can you bring good storytelling to your customers in a way that resonates with them in the channels that they're at and presents a solution to a piece of their problem? Because I think oftentimes people think like, my product is the whole problem that that person's <laughs> thinking about. No. But really, it's like, okay, you are a tenth of the problem that I'm thinking about every day. And maybe you're you're only thought about on day 30 of the month. Like, I don't even think about you any other times. But if you're bringing me good conversations that help with the rest of my month, and you have a solution that can help me, like that's a better way to merge your goals from your brand and what that person's looking for. And when I think about, you know, we've because we've worked a lot, of, you know, obviously CRM companies, if you make it just about a CRM, no one would want to listen to that because the number one thing salespeople hate is their CRM. I've never met a sales rep that likes their CRM. You know what I mean? It's not like that. Can't wait to use it. Can't wait to log my yeah. call that I had with Stephanie. No one gives a crap about that. They want it to be frictionless. They want it to be out of the way. They want it to be simple to generate quotes. They want it to be simple to track and give them little subtle reminders to follow up with their leads. They don't want to talk about like, oh, well, it's got this flow builder. Like, I don't want to build shit. <laughs> I'm a sales mm-hmm. rep. I just want to do my job. And so that's exactly what you're talking about. Like the people that you, you build a thing and it's a wonderful thing and it can do many, many things. But like 
like you just said, how a person uses it or really wants to use it is totally different. Like, for example, I'm I'm like that with every product I use. The more into it I have to be, the less likely I'll use it. I like software that's like complements my life and makes it easier. I don't want mm-hmm. it to be my life. There's never like I don't wake up any morning and think I can't wait to use this software. Can't wait. Like no one thinks like that. Well, yeah. excuse me. I don't think like that. <laughs> yeah. I for once I agree with you. Wow. I do not think like that either. <laughs> yep. Yep. So yeah, when people are like, oh, have... you should try this app. I'm like, I don't want to try any apps. <laughs> you know, I think there problem. will be a future when apps will just come in and solve the problem. Like I think right now there's still uh, a lot of softwares that are used where it's like you have to come in and do a whole training program. And I'm like, this just feels hard. By the way, I don't want to have to train to learn how to do that. This feels too I hard. Agree. I agree. Like, calorie counting is the worst. So anytime and a lot of people try to get fit, yeah. lose weight, whatever. Calorie count, like, yep. like half a cup of blueberries, and you know, search through your menu of blueberries. It's like, that's one thing that was in my oatmeal. Like, Jesus, you know what I mean? I, I'm waiting for the day where there's yeah. AI. I can take, take a picture of it and just knows like what it's made of and just tells me. When when that yep. when that's here, that's gonna be gold. I love it. Has I anyone figured it. that out? Okay. Yet? Has anyone figured? I know. Uh, yeah. Anyway, call asking for a friend. Email Albert. He's the friend. Tangent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yep. but you get you get so, yeah, that that little little tangent is, is I think really how everyone is in their everyday life. So whether it's software or mm-hmm. actual physical products, I think people don't want to actually think about the thing that much. They want it to work. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. You know, even if I was a manual laborer, if if uh, you know if Milwaukee Tools came to me and said, "Hey," or Black and Decker or Stanley or any of those major companies say we want to do a show about building. I don't think people would want to hear about like how many RPMs and drives are in like all for 52 weeks. You know what I mean? I think they want to hear yeah, about they would want to hear about things. the future of cities, like how you're going to build those, you know, cities of the future and what that looks like, the dynamics, like the conversations that they're having and sponsored by John Deere or whatever. Guess not John Deere. That's tractor. Yeah, that's tractor. Whatever they're sponsored by. Yes. Yeah. Hey, there might be a tractor on the build site. I don't know. Might be doing something. Yes, yes. But it's more yes. like, hey, the people who do the thing with your tools or with your products, yeah. it's more like, what do they care most about? And they're probably, like you just said, they, they care about what are the techniques they're going to be in the future? Hey, what, where are the, where's the demand going to be? And so that's how we frame up with our customers or prospects when we meet them. Because a lot of times they always start with what they have. It's like, well, I have this. Yeah. It's like, but that's more like a 30 minute pitch. That's not a series of episodes that's going to build an audience dedicated yeah. that's always thinking about this problem where well, it, your, your sponsorship becomes the spine that glues it all together so that everyone that listens yeah. to it always thinks, oh, when I am ready to solve this problem, there's only one choice for me sponsor. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. See, exactly. There's one more um, goal that I want to highlight too, because we talked about, you know, customer stories and QLs, ABM, but there's one more that I think um, gets missed in the beginning stages, whether you're starting or partnering on a podcast or media channel or show. I call it that because we do all of those. We're not just in audio. We have video everywhere. I'm sure many of you listening have seen that. Um, But the other one is how are you going to use this channel effectively and scale it into your other marketing initiatives? And so Oftentimes we're saying, what are you already doing? Tell us about the ads that you're running. Tell us who is writing your content. What blog posts are you doing? And how can you take this audio and video channel and scale it into your other efforts? Because what you don't want is a bunch of marketers working on the same type of things and all working in their own bubbles. 
Meanwhile, you have this channel working over here that's talking about all the concepts that you want to be a thought leader in, um, or it's the content that you're looking for, and you can actually plug it into, you know, maybe it's the ads, maybe you have video ads running, uh, maybe you just need to take the headshots that are generated from the podcast and media channel and put it in some of the ads. Maybe you want to use it to inspire your blog posts. So there's so many ways that you can just take this one channel and use that. Usually it's an hour long, 40 minute long episode and put it into your other initiatives. So they're all kind of working together and you're not having to just recreate assets. And so reusing and repurposing the content from that channel, I think is a big one that oftentimes can get missed in the early stages of planning because everyone's just kind of in their own zones. So we've got the goals now, the four big goals. The last one uh, that I wanted to dive into before we take a pause and then we'll go into our second episode for next time. Um, But the last big one is A lot of people come to us and they're in the phases of trying to figure out, do we want to create a podcast? Do we want to partner Mm. on one? Or do we want to sponsor one? So these are conversations that we have all the time. Um, And Sounds easy. Just grab two microphones, just get some software, record some stuff, just put it out there. Duh. It's easy. Yeah, everything's easy until you do it. So our answer is always, it depends. And so I'll first talk about the like a sponsorship, just a pure sponsorship method um, where you're just going to go to someone's show and just put your ad read on there. That is not what we do at Mission, but I'm just saying that's what a lot of people, that's their starting point is like, yeah. hey, we just want to go on Joe Rogan and just sponsor it. That's the easiest um, thing to do. That's the easiest thing to do. Um, and I would say it's the best thing to do if you're just looking for broad reach. And so earlier we mentioned when it comes to B2B, like most of our clients do not want massive reach. They want the right reach. They will come to us and say, hey, I want to get in front of the CIOs and CTOs at the Fortune 1000 within these industries. You know, they give us this criteria. If you don't have that criteria and you're just like, I just want to get in front of everyone and everybody (laughs) over 19 years old and everyone's my buyer, then yes, you should just go sponsor an episode that has a very large audience. Spray and pray. That actually is the best method for usually b2c though so yeah you you can go to any of the you know you can go to shock jocks depending what you're selling right if you're selling like more like party stuff you can just get on barstool if you're selling more women's things you can get on you know oprah's got a pod oprah's show you can get on call her daddy like there's tons of shows that have huge audiences of specific things rogan being the most famous and the biggest podcast there is point being is if you have a product that's going to be sold and you need massive scale to get somewhere that's the easiest option right out the gate just like hey i'll just that's the best option like there's no point in making your own that's the best option too for someone like that there's no point in making your own (laughs) yeah like just go where it's already working so that's option one option two is should you create your own and the biggest thing that we see happening in this space is all the things that we covered before the goals are missed uh, but the other one is the amount of work is underestimated always and Oh, yes. And so for anyone who's like in this space wondering, email us at info at mission.org. We have a buy versus build and we will send you the full checklist of what it takes to create just one episode. We'll show you our whole base camp of everything that you go through and do to make a good show. Um, But making sure that you really understand, like, do you have the right resources, the right people? Do they actually have bandwidth? That's a big one. When our clients come to us now, it's like, oh, we tried to start this show, but then like our marketing team doesn't have time to actually do this and promote it and get it in front of the right people. The, the, one of the one of the biggest shortcomings of people who start their own podcast, and if you're out there listening and you've ever started a podcast and you feel this pain, and if you're about to, I'm telling you, this is the pain you will feel. 
is if you're already got a team working, let's say full-time roles, and you say, hey, oh, well, we'll make Stephanie the host. Okay, so Stephanie's going to dedicate, like, let's say two to three hours a week of recording. Let's just make that number up. You think it's a lightweight lift. Okay, that means you need an audio engineer also two to three hours a week, but with the exact same schedule. And then when you meet the guests, from our experience, the caliber of guests that our sponsors want do not have good schedules. Their schedules are loaded. They're busy. They don't have open time slots. They get canceled because they have priority things uh, that they have to do all the time. Like the amount of rescheduling is substantial. So then you have to, if you, if that is true, then you need to make sure you have guest flow, which is actually probably the biggest detriment to uh, anyone who's trying to start one. And anyone who's done one probably feels this is like, how do you sustain the momentum to constantly book mm-hmm. quality guests in your limited time slots nonstop? Uh, because of course, if you want to release weekly, you always have to have an interview. You have to, otherwise you're going to miss the week yeah. or you're going to, unless you're going to do a show like me and Steph where we don't, or we're not guest dependent, but if you're guest dependent yeah. and you're telling customer stories, that guest flow is a serious thing. And that is something that many, every person we've ever met underestimates it. Like we've had sponsors, we've had sponsors that have said, Hey, I want to get my four top customers on the next four shows so that they can talk about a specific subject. We say, hell yeah. Who's going to invite them? We're going to invite them. Okay. When do you want to launch it? It's like in 40 days. And we're like, bro, you won't get one interview in 40 days. And you know these people. Yeah, <laughs> and like we, people. We're just like, yeah. just find out. Let's find out. Like, And then sure enough, they find out, oh, like, it's really hard to schedule these people. Yeah. So it's a, that's an undervalued thing. I mean, if I think about our network of shows and we are going after this very high caliber folks, I mean, we have we are constantly reaching out. For every one interview, we probably have 20 going out to make sure that we are keeping our pipeline full. Um, so there's just a lot that goes into it. And, I and there's a lot of maybes too. Well, that's another thing. That there's a lot for, of maybes. Maybe. Yep. What's that mean? You coming? <laughs> and then you gotta kind of, they gotta, you kind of have to sell them, you know what I mean? Convince yeah. them to come on the show. So that's one of the pitfalls that, and I think that's what happens to a lot of corporate shows. You see, is that they kind of like they come out the gate hard because you never know how long they were working on. Let's say they, you know, they might have spent months getting ten episodes or whatever. Um, they come out the gate hot, and it might be really good, but then they just kind of lose steam. They can't keep doing it, and. Mm-hmm. uh and then when yeah. it comes to like rebuilding it, it's like, ah, uh, they get. Yeah, it's a lift. And do we even have our audience there anymore? And yeah, so yeah. I think just making sure that you know exactly what goes into it. What kind of people will you need? What are, you know, all the tools that you're going to need? And can you, you know, as the host, whoever signed up for the host, can they actually commit to that time to do all the things associated with it? Um, so there's a lot that goes into it. So just making sure, you know, can you commit to all those things and, Will you be able to continue using the show strategically if you are also in the weeds on it? And so that's, um, you know, make sure that you don't turn it to corporate. Make sure it doesn't get biased to just talking about your products all the time. Um, and make sure that you can think higher level of like, how can you leverage the show to help out other areas of the business? Yeah. So creating one's great as long as you can actually sign up for all the parts that are associated with it. Um, and then the last option is partnering on one. So yeah. finding people, whether it's us or other people similar to us who are creating shows all the time um, and are looking for partners on the show. And when I say a partner, if I think about any of our sponsors, partners, I call them partners because they can come in 
they get to slightly influence the shows where when I say that, they don't get to come in and be like, I want to change the show completely. You know, if we have a show coming out where we're interviewing CIOs and CTOs and IT leaders, you can't just come in and be like, now I want to go after CEOs. No, when I say slightly influence the show, they get to come in and, you know, give us their prospect lists, their customer lists, um, and maybe certain industries or content pieces that they want. Um, And with that, then they're just able to use the show strategically. They're not in the weeds. uh, They are not booking. They're not hosting. They're not creating all the assets. They're not getting the guest release form signed. They're not following up afterwards (laughs) for approvals. And they're not, you know, doing the growing the show. I mean, all the things that go with it, they don't have to worry about. They just get to tap into the show strategically and make sure that it fits for their business goals. Um, So they get to feel like they are part of the show and it's kind of their show. It feels a little bit like that, Um, but they're not in the weeds. So- Three different options there. And then the one thing I would say is like, will sponsored content continue or like branded content or branded influenced content? uh, What's the future of it? It's going to explode. It's going to explode. I I firmly believe it. You know, when we talk to our customers or anyone who's curious about our industry, the reality is there's tons of examples right now. Now, they're more consumer facing, but it's happening right now, right? Uh, if for anyone who's never seen the statistics, Formula One was already knows how to make races. They're, they broadcast. No one broadcasts the race better than they broadcast the race. But they felt like their ratings for plateauing. And more importantly, they couldn't break into North America. For whatever reason, like North Americans just weren't into it. And so they're like, man, we really we just need a new way. And so they tapped into Netflix to say, like, why don't you tell the stories of our, yep. so think about it. They already know how to tell their story. They know how to tell the race story, but they didn't know how to tell, as Stephanie's favorite phrase, a different way. They didn't know how to tap into who doesn't know, like, like someone who doesn't know anything about Formula One. Why would they be interested in this? And so Netflix came to them and said, hey, what we want to do is we want to tell the stories behind the racers. How does anyone even become a driver? How does it, how, they wanted to educate basically the general public about, how complicated or challenging or all the aspects that maybe Formula One as a brand, as a business, a content creator themselves could not do. And so if you go, anyone can look up the stats and ratings. Formula One, Drive to Succeed, can, uh, Drive drive to Survive, I believe is the name of the show. It is one of the highest rated shows on Netflix. Formula One, the business has exploded in North America specifically since the show started. And other pro leagues have followed suit, right? Pro golf now has full swing. They, they sign up for show. Even yep. the Pro Surf League, they sign up for Make or Break, which is on Apple TV. So you're talking about companies that have been telling their story their way for 20, 30, 40, 50 years, asking mm-hmm. someone to tell another angle. And I think that will continue because yep. when you've told a story for a while, your audience it, it reaches probably a level of, plat- you know, it probably reaches a plateau where no one really, there's not new people coming in. And so you have to tell mm-hmm. something different. Otherwise you'll just get the same results. Yep. Yep. Hey, there you go. That's a quote for life right there. But I mean, a that's exactly way. what we're doing. <laughs> a different way. That's exactly what we're doing with um, Lawrence Livermore National Labs. I mean, we're working on a show for them right now. And the whole point is to help them tell their story in just a different way because, I mean, they've been around for a really long time. They're working on crazy shit. They're literally protecting America and yeah. like so many pieces of technology that we use is from them. And we're coming in to be like, hey, as a third party, let us help tell a show 
uh, all about you in a different way and let us do it with our approach um, sponsored by you, Lawrence Livermore. Yeah. So it's a really interesting angle. And I think one, like you said, it's going to blow up um, and it already is, but it's going to continue moving in that direction where more brands will find strategic ways to partner with media companies or third party, you know, people to help tell their story in a different way. Yeah, there's no doubt. And oh, I want to say this, the advantage for those industries I just named, of course, is they're visually very stunning. So, uh, you know, yep. for a company, it's like LNL, it's a lot. LNL still has an advantage because it's still got visuals, right? Like the the yeah. the equipment and they're stuff. blowing things up. They're doing yeah, things. yeah, yeah. For so, for like the software companies, that's pretty challenging. You know what I mean? Like that's that's not mm-hmm. it's it's not it does it just doesn't visually has as many pop moments. So you do have to convey different angles, different ways for other people to recognize the problems that you're solving to make them interested in hearing more. Yep. Yep. All right. So with this, let's break and we are going to come back to you in the next episode and we're going to talk about common problems that we hear how to avoid the podcast graveyard these are things that we think about and are helping solve all the time and so we're going to talk about that in the upcoming episode stay tuned Hey listeners, thanks for tuning into this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. It helps spread the word and I would greatly appreciate it. See you next time.